so um, when I was first invited, I was thinking, you know, what do I want to, what story would I tell about NAGPRA and USD and my my role in it uh, on campus? And in the beginning, it was, it was a lot of anger um, because being Native American and knowing that my university has the ancestors and the belongings um, and the cultural resources of tribes is heartbreaking for me. Um, it's not anything I thought I would be working on. It's nowhere in my job description. It was never mentioned that this would be work that I would be doing. And over the past year, this work has consumed me. Um, and I think that oftentimes people just assume because you're Native American, you know about everything Native American. And I don't. I don't know everything Native American. And one of the things that I really did not know was about the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act. It was something that I knew had been passed, but nothing that I had ever been intimately involved in. Um, so when I was thinking, well, what am I going to say? I, where do I start this story? And I think I start this story with um, when I met NAGPRA. Like, when did I meet NAGPRA? And I looked through my emails and... Um, this is the email where I really met NAGPRA. Hi, Percy. All that we know about the crania is that Dr. Rogers wrote Alaska on the left temporal of each. With this paucity of information, they could belong to any ethnic group. But if the dating shows them to be prior to European arrival, then there is no question about their ethnicity. C14 data or dating and DNA analysis are the only means I know of to learn whether or not they fall under NAGPRA. So I think when you first read that um, and you're a colonized person and you come from this Western world of data and information and research and materials, it makes sense, right? It's like, yes, how could we possibly know who these ancestors belong to or where they come from? They could literally be anyone if it's post-contact. Um, but when I read it as a Native person, I felt nauseous. All I could think was, it's not anybody. It, it can't be anybody. It's Alaska. Everybody was not in Alaska post-contact, right? There were some Russians. There were some Scandinavian sailors. Alaska was not overrun with anybody of any ethnicity, right? Um, the only way of knowing that they could be uh, Alaskan Native would be through some sort of scientific procedure. There's records of people going to Alaska and digging up graves. Um, we just had a consultation and an anthropologist up there told us that one person in particular would pull up with wheelbarrows and just fill wheelbarrows with ancestors um, and take them for the purpose of research. Um, so we know that not every grave was being robbed, right? Only particular graves were being robbed. Um, and, and so, you know, from an, in, an indigenous person's perspective, I just thought like, this is crazy. And my response back is really like, when I was horrified, I was like, I'm very disturbed and distressed <laughs> that you want to um, destroy these ancestors to find out if they were post-contact. It just didn't make sense to me. Um, and, and I, um, I mean, it was just a very difficult introduction. Like, how did I meet NAGPRA as a Native person? This is how I met NAGPRA. And I think for Native people, this is how we meet NAGPRA, right? We meet it in the context of a Western viewpoint 
Uh, but we may have some human remains here um, that were collected for the purposes of research. And we are forced to interpret that and to deal with that and then to have to engage in the structure of the Western world to answer those questions, right? Because of course, there's no other way of knowing if these are post-contact or who they are unless you perform these scientific tests. Um, and I think, you know, as a researcher, it also has me think about my mindset and the way that my training colonizes me to look at communities sort of in this way, right? As research subjects, as participants, as um, separate, the, you know, I'm an objective uh, researcher, right? Asking objective questions for the pure purpose of knowledge creation. Um, and it makes me think, well, whose knowledge should I be allowed to find out about, right? Who's, what questions am I actually allowed to ask? In what ways am I allowed to answer those questions? Am I allowed to answer the question of, are these Alaskan native ancestors by conducting scientific tests that will destroy part of them? Um, and, and I get, you know, I get, I get scared, honestly. I get scared because I am a native woman. I'm a Western Shoshone woman. That is how I have been raised. And being in an institution, I'm constantly having to remind myself of that. Um, because everything around me tells me that I'm just another racial group. I'm just another administrator. I'm just another faculty. Um, and for me, you know, my motivations of being in academia are for Indian people. It's for Native people. You know, I believe that that is my purpose. Um, and dealing with NACRA has been so difficult because it's made me be more the face of the university than any other job that I have ever done at USD. We, we met with um, some tribal leaders and representatives a couple of weeks ago, 13 came out of 65 that were invited because 65 nations are impacted by collections that USD holds. And I was, I was the one being talked to like I was USD. And I was thinking, I'm not USD. You know, I am a native woman who is so horrified by what I have found within my institution, but I feel like I have a calling to do something about it, right? Because I could say, it's not my, it's not, this is not mine to deal with. It's not in my job description. This is for somebody else to deal with. But unfortunately, because NACRA is written, it puts the control in the hands of the institution. And if that control, not all the control, but too much of it, and if too much of that control is in the hands of the institution, I want to make sure that one of those hands is a native hand, is a, is a, a tribal hand. Um, and that's why, that's why I do this work. That's why I um, continue to do it, even though it's so um, hard for me and requires a lot of me culturally and spiritually to do this work. Um, but I just, you know, want to make sure that when I look in the mirror, I see a native person and you know the theme being mirrors what do I want reflected I want my nativeness reflected um, and and how do I do that I do that by staying close to community I do it by being in relationship with people and especially women um, especially women that are on this zoom right now like Geneva and Patty um, I've been so fortunate to have these folks around me and I do it by fortunately in this work having Eva and Teresa um, and I do it by indigenizing the spaces that I come into.
So to end my segment of this, I just want to honor Eva and Teresa um, in the way that I have been taught to honor people, and that is through song. So I'm going to sing, normally I would sing four rounds of this song to honor them. Today I'm going to sing one round. Traditionally, we stand when we honor people. I would like to ask that if you are capable of standing, that you stand to honor Eva and Teresa because the work that they are doing, that we are doing, is difficult, difficult work. And we need, um, we need support in the energy that comes through our songs, our native songs and our ways of honoring. So I'm a little rusty and normally I'd have my drum, but it's a little overwhelming on Zoom. Um, so I'm just going to sing. Yo, Your way, your way, oh. Thank you.